0: Wow. Really want to say thank you to our worship team. Uh, you guys did a really tremendous time this morning. Uh, Tim with the communion and the poignant uh, memory of his mom and her passing and that beautiful song. Really appreciate how you guys led us and ministered to us. And uh, boy, we, we owe you a lot today and are very, very grateful uh, for you. Uh, I'm Joe Collins and uh, it's been a little while since I've been able to preach to you guys so I'm excited to be here this morning. Hopefully you are and I want you to know that as I see it you right here whether you're here for the first time or been here a hundred times you are the most important person in the room today. And I want you to know that. That's my spirit. And and so it is my effort to give to you the best I can from God's word and and, and offer a word to you, a message to you that's going to minister to you in some way today. And hopefully we'll be able to do that. But I do want to say thank you for being with us. Uh, A number of our sisters are out missing this morning because they went away on a little getaway. Uh, And so they're up there having a time. They went a little bit up north on the coast and had some great time together. Uh, but, But aside from that, it's just great to see everybody's face and everyone here this morning. Now, uh, we are going to continue our series, Jesus Worth Following. It's a a commitment I've made to just follow Jesus through the pages of Mark and, and so that we can learn to love and live like Jesus lived. I mean, after all, that is what it's all about as a Christian. It is what our mission, what our purpose is, to love and live like Jesus. So hopefully we can take a step in that direction this morning. Who here knows who Stevie Wonder is? All right, he's a a, a blind singer. Very talented, amazing uh, performer. Who here knows who Jack Nicholas is? Okay, he's uh, probably the the greatest professional golfer of all time. Some would say Tiger Woods, but Jack Nicholas still has more majors than him. And uh, Jack, uh, you know, is just a famous, famous guy. Who knows the truth, but uh, he's one of the greatest there was for sure. So Jack Nicholas and Stevie Wonder are out uh, having dinner. And over the course of dinner, uh, Stevie uh, says to Jack, I mean, Jack says to Stevie, so hey, how's, uh, how's music going? How's things? And Stevie says, oh, you know, I can't complain. I got a lot of hit records. I've been doing really well. I'm still, still well known. I still perform. You know, and Jack says, oh, that's really great. And so Stevie says to Jack, hey, how, how's golf coming? And Jack says, well, you know, I had a good run. I'm retired now, but I still like to play. But you know, I have this nagging, nagging problem. My swing right now is just not what it used to be. And I don't know what it is. And Stevie said, well, you know, Jack, uh, when I golf, and that happens to me sometimes, my swing gets out of sync. I just take a couple weeks off. And then when I go back to it, it's all fixed. It's amazing. Now, as you can imagine, Jack Nicholas is, is surprised. And he says, Stevie, you golf. And he goes, yeah, I do. And he said, "Well, but you're blind." He said, "Yeah, I am." And he goes, "That just seems really, really impossible." I mean, really, you golf? And Steve says, "Yeah, believe it or not, I, I'm really, and, and I do, and actually, I'm, I'm pretty darn good." And uh, Jack says, "Well, how is that even possible?" And he says, "Well, what I do is I have my caddy stand out in the fairway, and he, he shouts, and I just hit the ball to, towards his voice. And then when we get to the green, he gets on the green, and I, and he shouts, and I putt towards his voice." And and I'm, I'm doing quite well. In fact, I'm a scratch golfer. I shoot par every time I go out. Jack just couldn't believe it. He goes, Stevie, we got to play. I got to see this. And Stevie says, well, I'm going to be honest with you, Jack. Nobody believes that I'm that good and that I even play. And so I don't, I don't ever play with people unless it's for money. It's $1,000 a hole. Whoever wins the hole gets the 1000 bucks. But I, I, it's just my policy. I won't play with anyone unless it's for money. So Jack thinks about it, you know, and he says, well, and I'll tell you what, I'll take you up on that offer, Stevie. Uh, when, when is a good time for you? And Stevie said to Jack, any night next week would be fine. <laughs> you know, golfing, you know, in the dark is just about impossible. And, and being blind and not having a voice or somewhere to aim to, no way to know where you're going, it would be utterly impossible. Some of us try to live our Christianity without any guiding voice. And what I want to talk today about is how do we find the voice so we know in our Christianity we're going in the right direction. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. We're going to say a quick prayer here. Father, we're so blessed to be here this morning, and we're so thankful for your voice that is in the Word, for the message that it gives to us. Help us to be able to focus and tune in this morning and, and, and really hear that voice so that we can know what we're doing, where we're headed and what we're trying to accomplish as Christians. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Mark chapter eight, verse 22, it says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. Now, for the past couple of years, Jesus and his little group of disciples have been zigzagging all over Galilee. That's that area on the map on our screen at the top. And, and at this point, Jesus is incredibly well known. People are aware of him. He, he's, he, uh, notoriety has, has grown people come to see him. Wherever he goes, there's generally a crowd. In fact, he's so well known that he's known throughout that entire area on the map, even down all the way down there to Judea, where the city of Jerusalem is, even over there to the east where the Decapolis and Perea. Uh, Jesus was well known throughout this entire area, so much so that when he would show up in a town or a village, it was an event. It was a special occasion. People came out. Crowds by the thousands would come down to hear what he had to say, to see him in person, and, and just the be there. That's how influential and and, 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 um, uh, how much notoriety Jesus had at this point. He was kind of a big deal. You know, when you... uh, if you're a Christian this morning, you 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 know the idea of having a, a quiet time. It, the idea of spending time each day in prayer or Bible reading and, and having a, a connection to Jesus. You know that that is you've heard that taught every day of your Christian life. I mean, every time we get from the pulpit, we talk about it. Every time we have an event, we talk about it. You go to church, you know, you read a book, they always are talking about it. If you're new to this, then, then I'm informing you that, that this is something we do as Christians. We want to know about Jesus, we want to hear him, we want to, we want to be there, we want to see and touch and, and 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 know what he's saying and, and so we try to set aside a time but here's my question for you is it still special when Jesus came to Bethsaida a crowd showed up they even brought a blind man because it was a big deal that he was in town is it a big deal when you get up in the morning and come out of bed as we sang in the song and pray is it a big deal to you When you open up God's word and you read the teachings of Jesus and you open your heart up and you listen to him, is it a big deal or has it become routine? It says some people brought a blind man. You know, one thing I noticed in this passage is that I don't know the relationship between the people and the blind man, but what I noticed is that they brought him to Jesus. And you know, friends are important. And they're even important when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to Christianity. Friends can either help us or hurt us. Fortunately, this man had some good friends. They brought him to Jesus because they knew Jesus could do something about it. They could help him. I want to be a friend to you today. As I preach this morning, my goal is to help bring you to Jesus. You're the most important person in the room to me right now. I want you to connect to Jesus Christ. I want you to see something you've never seen before. I want you to know how special and how incredible it really is that we get to sit here and we get to look into the God, God's word and we get to pray and we get to encourage each other and we get to come closer to Jesus. It really is a big deal. Verse 23 Jesus, upon meeting the blind man, does something interesting. He immediately takes him outside of the village. You may remember, it's been a few months now, but uh, 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 Jesus at one point, just actually a few, maybe a few days or weeks before this account, uh, um, this account he was over there in an area called uh, Sidon, a town, which would be over there by the, the, the word Mediterranean Sea, somewhere in that area. And, and the same thing happened. He came in and a crowd showed up and they brought a deaf guy. And Jesus was able to heal and take care of the deaf guy. And if you remember in that story, he did the same thing. He pulled the deaf guy aside. And when we studied that passage, we learned that Jesus used sign language. He communicated to that deaf guy in a way that that deaf guy would understand so that he knew what was happening and what Jesus was going to do for him. The amazing thing about Jesus is he wants to get us alone because he wants to communicate to us. The same thing's happening here with the blind man. He takes him outside the village so that he can get this guy's full attention. You know, Satan, he is a master of distraction. He is all about the noise, the hurry, and the crowd. He wants us to be so busy and so stressed out and so distracted that we don't take the time, that we don't have the time that we need to be led by Jesus away from all of that so that we can be ministered to by him so that he can talk to us it's only when we do that it's only when we remove ourselves and we find some solitude can we actually encounter Jesus Christ face to face in person through prayer and Bible study he doesn't appear He's not Obi-Wan he doesn't show up in a little like a hologram it doesn't nothing like that but but his presence is there, and he does make it known to us when we give him the time, when we make it special like it really is for him and for us. Verse 22, they came to Bethsaida, and some blind men, uh did I not skip? Oh, sorry. That's where Bethsaida is, if you're wondering, on the top right of the, of the, of the lake there. Uh, second half of verse 23. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't even go in to the village. You know, I had a friend. I have a friend. His name's Pat. And uh, he grew up, and his parents are blind, both of them. And I got to learn a little bit about what that's like uh, from Pat. He had a, he had a brother, and they, they would tell me some stories. And you know, being blind is a very difficult thing in, 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 in life. It's challenging to be deaf. There's a lot that gets missed because you can't hear. You don't always know what's going on. But being blind, you're so vulnerable. Pat and his brother, who were both seen, had both, their parents were both blind, and he would tell me, you know, not, not in a, a positive light, but some of, the, some of the mean things they would do when they were mad at their parents, moving things around, misplacing things, and, you know, uh, people over, but they're quiet, so they don't know they're there. I mean, you're very, very vulnerable when you're blind. And I can't imagine what this poor guy must have been experiencing. He's home, sitting on his couch, listening to books on tape, and all of a sudden people come in and grab him, and they drag him out. And he hears nothing but noise and commotion and what's going on. And they're just dragging him through the streets of the crowd, whatever. They get him in front of Jesus. I mean, you could imagine how disoriented, how lost, how scared, how frightened. All of that he must have been, not understanding what's going on. And then Jesus grabs him and gets him totally away from all of that. And then he speaks and touches him. The two ways in which he could communicate to this guy. He didn't see yet, but Jesus spoke and he touched him. He was talking to him. He was giving him personal attention. You know, when you make time for Jesus, he will do that for you too. He will speak to you in the way that you can hear him. He will talk just to you. It really is an amazing experience. It really is a special moment. And so it says here that Jesus spit on his eyes and then touched him. And we say, that's really gross. And why would he do that? Well, I'm not gonna get into it, but let's just sum it up like this. Culturally, that was the way in which they would have tried to heal this guy. That was a normal thing. It fit the the, the Mid-Eastern cultural understanding at the time. The saliva would would represent healing or something, and the touching of the eyes represents that's the part that's gonna be healed. The life giver is is giving life to him and trying to repair his life. You get get the idea. It's not something we relate to, because we go to a doctor. But in those days, that's how they understood things. So please don't look at this and, and, and read into it from our perspective. Know their perspective. This was not an abnormal thing for Jesus to do to this man. Spits in his eye, touches his man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored. But when Jesus said, what do you see? The guy said, I see people, but they look like trees. Now, it's a shame if all we do is notice that in this story. There's so much more in this story that ministers to me, that will minister to you. But this is an interesting statement. It throws us for a loop. What happened? I don't understand. Did Jesus, was he not able to heal him on the first time? Was he lacking power? What's going on? It was the man's faith not, not well enough? I mean, what's happening? It, it puts all these questions, and then we can sometimes miss the beauty of the moment. Jesus healed a man blind. That's a miracle. That's amazing. That's amazing. He cared for this guy. He spoke to him in the way that he could understand. He touched him. He pulled him away from the crowd and the mob. And he ministered specifically to this guy. And we are so uh, what are we? We are so entitled that we go, yeah, well it took him twice. As if we could do it once? As if we could even do it at all? I mean, we have to be careful when we read the Bible that we don't just think we know better. Why did that happen? I don't have the foggiest idea, to be honest with you. It doesn't tell me why he did it twice. It doesn't explain it to me at all. I'm left to guess. And I have two reasons that I thought of. One is because that's how Jesus wanted to heal him. That was his plan, that was the way he chose to do it. Jesus opted to touch the guy twice, to minister to him more than just once. And Jesus can do that. He can decide how many aspirin you need to take in the morning, or how many, you know, what your therapy needs to be, because he's the healer. He's not not in control, he's actually in total control. And he decided to handle it this way because that was the right way to handle it for this guy in this situation. And it makes a great point to me and you that Jesus was totally in control. That this wasn't a, a question of his ability or his power or his authority. It was, a, it was an issue of this is how he wanted to do it. Hey, maybe, maybe he understood the guy would have been freaked out going from blindness to sight all at once. Maybe he needed to step into it, I don't know. Maybe the guy's faith wasn't there and he was helping the guy along, I don't know. What I know is it was Jesus's way. He decided it and so it was done. The other thing I know is that partial sight wasn't good enough for Jesus. He didn't go, great, you got some blurry vision there, good enough. Jesus doesn't settle for good enough. Jesus doesn't settle for partial vision. He doesn't settle for partial eyesight. He doesn't settle for partial anything. He wants it done. He wants it done right. He wants it done completely Jesus is like that with us today. He still wants people today to see clearly. He's not okay with partial faith. He's not okay with with, uh, almost Christianity. He's not okay with, with, you know, okay, you, you can see the ball, but you don't know where to hit it. He's not okay with that. He wants it complete and total restoration, total clarity. That's the goal. That's what he pushes for. And I can appreciate that. I, I value that. I'm grateful that he's like that. I'm grateful that he doesn't say, well, it was good enough and that's all you get for today. No, Jesus overwhelms us. He overflows. He does more than ever enough. Well, you know, ever could be enough. I mean, he just goes over and over and over in abundance. So a few weeks ago, actually maybe a month ago, I had this Opportunity. It was a real blessing to get out of town for four days on a retreat. I've shared about this with some of you, and I'm going to share it again because I want everyone to hear this. Um, And it was basically a a personal retreat. It was was actually uh, taken care of by a charity that does retreats for ministers. They want to encourage ministers, give them some time off, let them uh, rejuvenate so they don't burn out. And so they host it. They pay for it. All I had to do was show up. There were other ministers there, but we didn't have lessons. We didn't have studies. We didn't do anything. We were completely free to just be and, and to rest. And on this retreat I happened to start reading some material that they provided. It was it was optional. You could read it if you wanted to or not. And, and I read about something called Lectio Divinia, which means sacred reading. And it's this concept that goes way back in, in, in Christianity, all the way back to almost the beginning of Christianity, uh, uh, where, where believers would set aside time and they would devote themselves to prayer and and Bible reading. Not so much study of the Bible, but but devotional reading, where you read it to listen. You read it just to hear the voice of Jesus. And so for four days, that's all I did, was read, pray, and meditate, and read, and pray, and meditate. Three times a day, they had a little outline, they suggested it. Uh, Again, no one else was doing it, I was the only one, Uh, Other people were there for other reasons, but I I was like, I grabbed it, I got on this like white on rice. I mean, I just jumped on it. And I absolutely loved it. Because for me, I know the Bible fairly well. I read it pretty consistently. I've even done a lot of study of the Bible. I love the history. I love the culture. I love to get into the background. I love all that stuff. But there was a part of it that was missing. And interestingly enough, I was praying to God even before we left on the retreat, even before I realized we were going on it, I was praying to God, God, there's gotta be more. Give me more. I need to know how to connect to you. I need to make this real. And I go on this retreat and I'm given this gift, this sacred reading. And I can tell you it is an amazing experience. It makes my time with Jesus special again. It's a big deal. Four simple steps. If you want to make notes, go ahead. You can listen to the sermon later online if you want. But the first one is to read a passage of Scripture, a small one, a short one. You don't need to read a lot. Maybe a psalm, half a psalm, maybe a paragraph. But read it. What I've been doing is I read the verse of the day on my Bible app. I just read that. And what, you know, kind of a little bit before and after it. And you read it again and again and again and again. You just read it again and again and again. You, over and over and over again. So you need some time. You do need 20, 25, 30 minutes probably for this. And you do need to create the space. You need to put your phone down. You need to turn off the TV. You need to lock the kids up in the closet. You need to get away. You cannot be distracted. That's the point. You got to have, you got to, like Jesus did with the blind man, get out of the crowd, the noise, and the hurry. So you got to find a place of solitude. Read Read the verse over and over and over. And your job is to just listen. What is it saying to me? Is there is Jesus telling me something? And what will happen is that step 2 is then you begin to meditate on what st- stands out to you. So you'll read a passage again and again and again, and eventually a word, a verse, a phrase will pop out to you, and then you can begin contemplating and meditating and ruminating on that word, verse, or phrase. What does that mean? How, understand it, what's going on? And you just begin to process it, and you'll, all on your own, without even realizing it, you'll start to talk in your head about it. You'll, that voice in your head will start talking. And you know what that's called? That's called prayer. That's where you start conversing with God about what you're reading, And you'll experience a connection that maybe you've not experienced in a long time or ever before. Jesus will become real. And I do believe in that moment, his presence is there. And he does talk to me in my language. And he says to me what I need to hear. Yeah, the verse has its message. And yeah, that's important. And I'm not dismissing that. You have to understand the context and the passage and all that. But in that moment, there's a message that he has for you and me. And it's unique to you and me. And he'll tell you it if you listen, if you make the time. I don't do it every day. I, 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 I would love to, but I'm struggling to do it every day. But I do it periodically through the week. And I really have been rejuvenated and inspired and, and, and surprised by how special this time is and the fact that Jesus talks to me. Amen. He's still alive, if you didn't know. His body isn't in the grave. He did rise. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, uh, and all-powerful. And And so that means, and all-knowing, and that means that he can be there in the moment with you as you're doing this. And he can talk to you in your conscience, in your heart, give you some thoughts, give you some ideas, and he does. And that's been exciting to me to know that Jesus is talking to me today. And then I end with contemplation, which I like to say, it's kind of like the cup of coffee after a great meal. You have a great meal and dessert and everything's done. You're sitting at the table relaxing and you're drinking that cup of coffee and you're just loving the moment. That's what it is for me. I just, the last few minutes I just sit and I enjoy the moment. I think about, wow, I heard something today. That's, that's awesome. And I just soak it up. I like to go out in my backyard. I have a big tree back there. I stare at the tree. You could do it at your desk. You could do it walking down your street. The key, though, is you have to create solitude. You have to create the space. I want to encourage every person in this room, and this is the whole point of my message today. I want you to get away periodically during the week from the noise, the hurry, and the crowd. Get out of the village and get time with Jesus. Practice some sacred reading. Get get some solitude. And, and, and give him 20, 30 minutes of your time or more if you have it and read, meditate, pray, and contemplate. I promise you, you do that. You, you, will, you will look at your Christianity and it'll be so much easier. It'll be so much better. You won't be swinging at the ball in the dark having no idea where it's gonna go. You'll, ha- you'll hear a guiding voice that will tell you what you need to know for that day. I love what Jesus says at the end. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. It's it's like, I know what you're thinking, buddy. Now that you can see, don't go back to the crowd, the hurry, and the noise. Don't go back to what was blinding you in the first place, figuratively speaking. So often we get these moments, we get these respites with God, and then what do we do? We go right back to all the hurry, busy noise, and that becomes a distant memory, and we lose the voice, we lose the guidance, we lose the connection. It starts to become routine, and then it stops being special, and we drift. Don't do it. If anything has spoken to you here today, if this has opened up your mind in any way, I want to tell you, don't go back to the old way. Put this into practice. Try to make this part of your routine as much as you possibly can. Work it into your schedule. You will not regret it. And you will not be disappointed. And you will become more like Christ because of it. So I'd like to close out by reminding us of the golf story and you know we need that guiding voice we need to know where we're going and that's what Lectio Divinia sacred reading that's what this this solitude and this time with Jesus gives us it gives us that voice it gives us a place where we hit the ball it puts us in a direction and it's incredibly valuable and without it it would be like trying to golf in the dark it would be next to impossible but I want to end a little differently this morning and I'm going to ask for a couple of people to help me so if I can get Mike Isaiah, just pass these out. If I can get a couple of you guys come help, go to the, maybe at the back, just pass these out. I want everybody to get one. Thank you. I want to end with this. Let everybody get a card, and I know you'll take a minute to look at it, so I'll give a minute for you to look at the card. And then we're going to talk about it and wrap up. You know, thanks, Isaiah. So hopefully everybody got one. So the idea here is that, you know, as awesome as this is and as ministering it is to me, you know, because I have needs. And and when I go to Jesus like this and I make this time, he meets my need. Like the blind man, Jesus met the guy's need. But, you know, it would be kind of a shame if that's all it ever did is it stopped with us. What do they say about the Dead Sea? You know, the Dead Sea's dead because it doesn't go anywhere everything pours into the Dead Sea but it doesn't give it out and so the Dead Sea's dead well the same happens spiritually for us we we die if we don't share what we have or what we have I should say dies within us it ends with us if we aren't willing to share it and so I got to thinking about this story and this was in my meditation on this passage and something dawned on me what dawned on me was that uh, this guy's problem was obvious he was blind and everybody knew it. You could see his problem. You could see it a mile away. Now, truth be told, if it wasn't blindness, if it was something else, Jesus would still have been able to see it because he's Jesus. Maybe no one else would understand it. You may, maybe you remember the story of the woman bleeding for 12 years. You know, Jesus knew she had the problem. No one else did, or at least in the crowd, not many people understood. And so I began to think about, well, if I'm going to be able to minister to other people, if I'm going to be able to pass this on to other people, i got to find out what are their problems, what are their needs, what are they looking for. Because I can't walk in a room and see somebody and go, oh, well, that guy, he's engulfed in, a, in an addiction, and he's, he's drowning in it. Or that, that woman over there is, is consumed with fear. Or this, you know, whatever the issues are, I can't always see those problems. So what this is, is it's an assignment I'm giving to every one of us, and I want you to try this. I'm asking you to try it for the next few weeks. Just keep this card with you, and on the back there's three questions, and the idea is to ask other people these three questions and listen to their response. Don't listen to the response you like, just listen to what they said, and make mental note of it. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a Google Sheet for us, and I'm gonna link it to everybody. I'm gonna send it out, blast it to everyone. You'll have access to it. And during the next couple of weeks, if you ask, when you ask people these questions, you get some answers, just write them in. Just, we'll just create a list of what it is that people need. What are, what are they hurting? What, what, you know, what are they looking for, Etc. And then as we begin to think about 2018, which is what I'm already doing, we're already thinking about our plan. We'll have some information. We'll, we'll know what it is that we can do to meet people's needs. Because this man's blindness was a problem, but it was also an opportunity. It was a doorway for him to know Jesus. And most people, their challenges, their problems are doorways. their opportunities, just like mine was, just like yours was, for Jesus to minister to it. And then through that, bring me into a relationship with him, save my soul. And I don't know about you, but I think this all the time. I feel like I am out of touch. I don't know what other people are struggling with. I think I know, and I love to tell everybody what I know, but the truth is I don't really know without asking them. So here's the questions. What are or would be your reasons for attending church? So let's say you're at a restaurant. You're talking to the waiter or the waitress. Ask them the question, hey, you know, I go to this church, I'm not doing, I'm not trying to push you, I'm not even inviting you, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Do you go to church? Well, yeah, I go to church. Well, that's cool. What what are your reasons? What do you go to church for? And then just listen to some of the answers, you know, make mental note, Uh, and hopefully you'll remember them, and when you get home, you can type them on the document, and we can kind of keep a list. But what I really would like to know is when people who don't go to church, if you don't go to church, what would bring you if you did go? Ooh, I'd love to know an answer to that question. What would would cause you to want to come? Second question, what would your ideal church be like? So you're in this conversation. Hey, you know, if you think about church, whether you go or not, but what should it be? What do you think it should be? Boy, I'd like to know. Thirdly, what topics could a church address that would be of interest to you? One of the things I'd like to do next year is be more connected to people, helping connect with people. And the best way to do that is know what they want. I don't always know what people want. I think I know what people want. And if they're almost 50 and they have kids and they've been a Christian for 25 years, I probably have a good guess. But most people aren't like that. They're not like me. So I need to ask, what are you interested in? What would you like to know more about? What could a church do for you? What what, what could they teach you? So this is the idea. It's an assignment I'm giving you. Two things. Practice sacred reading And then just over the next few weeks, ask people these questions and see what their answers are. And please record them somehow. You can do it on the sheet I send out. You can do it personally, whatever. And I tell you, here's what we're going to do. In the next few months, we're going to get together and we're going to start talking about how can we, as followers of Jesus Christ, who have this incredible gift of his presence in our life, how can we make it relevant to the people around us? And we're going to devise an entire ministry plan around it. Amen. What can we do? How can we bring Jesus into people's lives? Because I don't want to be the Dead Sea. I don't want it just stop with me. I want it to pass on. By the way, talk to your kids. Ask their friends. Different ages. Whatever it takes. But let's get in touch with the world around us. So we can minister like Jesus ministered to the world. Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to be here this morning and just to be ministered to. The music was wonderful. The fellowship was amazing. The testimonies were incredible. Your word is inspiring. And the thought of being able to be in your presence, to have you speak to us, to have you talk to us individually, to care for us, to meet our need, is, is, is beyond what any of us could ever ask, or, ask for or expect. Help us, God, to be that way to other people. Help us to want to do the same for others that's been done for us. I really do appreciate every person in this room. They really are the most important person to me right now. And I pray that they walk out of here with some connection, something that was helpful to them in their spiritual walk and in their connection to you. We love you. Bless this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.